BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Episode 172 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. The call was coming into the White House? Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I am your host, Christopher Hahn. Thank you for liking, rating, reviewing, telling your friends about my podcast. And of course, following me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, and Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram. Truly appreciate it. The podcast continues to grow, and I truly appreciate all the support you've been giving me. So I, I've got to start the pod tonight by talking briefly about January 6th. Now, I have a guest tonight. It's been a while. I've been, uh, you know, summer. I've been doing my thing. Got a great guest tonight. Chris Lehman um, is joining me uh, from The Nation. We're going to talk about... Oh, Ron DeSantis stunts and uh, Christianity being taken over by this Trumpist cult uh, across the country. Not everybody who are Christian. So if you're Christian and listening to me right now, don't be mad. Uh, but this, you know, Christo-fascism that's building up within the Republican Party. Uh, and I, I talked about it at length last week about Ron DeSantis and what he's been doing and the cruelty that just seems to fly in the face of everything I learned growing up in the evangelical church. Uh, But I'll talk about that with Chris Lehman. But I got to start. I don't know how many of you saw the 60 Minutes show over the weekend. Uh, What was leaked about it was probably the most telling thing to me. There was a call made to the White House switchboard, put through by one of the rioters on January 6th. Now, we don't know who that call was made to. But the switchboard allowed it to go through. Now, you know, before we all go jumping up and down saying, we got him, the call lasted nine seconds. So nine seconds is not a very long time for a call. Kind of reminds me of, you know, like one of those comedy things. Are you, who is this? (laughs) You know, are you calling me? Don't call here. Boom. You know, somebody who knows somebody's committing a crime, just hanging up on them. But that said... Really what came out in that 60 Minutes interview, and I, I thought it was, it was stunning, it's really backing up a lot of what we learned from the January 6th committee, but just being said in plain words, these people were trying to overturn the election. This was an attempted coup. And 
if that doesn't get under your skin, if that doesn't freak you out about the stakes in the midterm elections coming up in just a few weeks now, I mean, it is, you know, look, you might be listening to this podcast in October. It is the last week in September. I know it still feels like summer for some of you. It is not summer. We are well into the fall now, even though the first day of fall was only a couple days ago, but we're well into the fall now. And the elections have heated up. We're seeing ads on television. We're seeing candidates campaigning. We're seeing polls move up and down. Look, I think, like I said, I think the Democrats have an excellent chance of keeping the Senate. And we better do everything we can to make sure they keep the Senate. I know I say that every week. The Biden presidency without the United States Senate is going to have a lot of problems. I don't know if we could hold the House. I'm a lot more optimistic about it than I was maybe three months ago, four months ago. But I still think gerrymandering is a hell of a drug. And I don't know that the momentum that Democrats have seized since the court overturned Roe and the Dobbs decision is going to carry us past the tremendous amount of gerrymandering that happened with Republican state legislatures across this country. I just don't think it will, frankly. But I, that said, I don't think the Republicans are going to have a massive majority in the House of Representatives. And who knows? Maybe there are a few Republicans that are done with this cult who will refuse to be part of any caucus that has Marjorie Taylor Greene sitting behind Kevin McCarthy as he releases his agenda for America. I, I got to tell you, he, he, he released his plan with no details. But here's what I should tell you off the top. Day one, he is going to repeal the ability for the federal government to negotiate the price of prescription drugs, effectively raising the price of prescription drugs for most Americans. What a great platform. How populist, how populist of him. How populist of Kevin McCarthy to do that. I mean, can't they just pretend? Can't they just pretend to care about people over profits just for a minute? They can't even really pretend. They're trying to say that this government negotiating the price of prescription drugs. I mean, look, if you're really poor and you live on the borders, you could drive to Mexico or you could drive to Canada to get your drugs. Why do they have to be cheap in the United States of America where most of them have been developed, where the United States federal government has supported them in their development through grants, through aid, through billions of taxpayers' dollars going to develop these drugs? But now, you know what? Let's let them make as much profit as they can off of it. Let's not negotiate a price since we're buying millions of units. No, no, no. Let's just, let's get them, you know, they get taxpayer dollars to develop the drugs. Then they get taxpayer dollars to sell the drugs. Great. That's Kevin McCarthy's plan for America. I I don't know how anybody could support it, frankly. The only way they could support it, the only way people will support these plans is if they don't know about it and all they care about is the lies that these people have been telling them about Democrats and progressives across this country. I I saw an ad here in New York State that was just disgusting. It was all about crime. And, And here's the thing. You know, I'm not saying crime isn't a problem. Crime's always been a problem. It will always be a problem. Um, it doesn't impact most people. And yes, any people it impacts is too many. But to say that Democrats are responsible for crime is just a ridiculous statement. To say that Democrats 
you know, want to see people mugged on the street, beaten up on the street, attacked. No way. No way, no how. And, you know, here's a crime that I'd like Republicans to look into. January 6th, where your leader tried to overthrow the government, tried to commit a coup. The call was coming into the White House. We need to find out who got that call, why this person thought it was okay to call them, and what was said in those nine seconds. A lot of things can be said in nine seconds. I mean, I just said something in nine seconds. See? See how that works? All right. I got a great guest. I'm going to go right to him. Chris Lehman. Uh, Lehman, sorry, from uh, The Nation. Stick around. I'll be back uh, to listen to this, and I'll be back to wrap it up. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Joining me now uh, from the nation, you know, I love talking to people from the nation because they hire the best and the brightest uh, to write for that great magazine. Chris Lehman has covered a lot of things, strange religious cults uh, and others, but we're going to talk a little bit first about the stunts that Republican governors have been doing, basically treating people like pawns. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure, and thank you for joining me. Chris, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, we were just talking before we got on the air about religion, and I, I spent a little time at the beginning of the show tonight talking about how these conservatives, you know, claim the banner of Christ. And then they pull stunts like this, and no religious authority in this country is rebuking them for this. I mean, what would Jesus yeah. do? I mean, Jesus wouldn't do this to people seeking shelter. No, no. In fact, the New Testament tradition is to welcome the stranger. It's laid out very clearly. Yeah. And, and um, you know, Matthew, it's Matthew 25. I've been talking about it all night. It's like it, it, when I was growing up, look, I am not very religious now, Chris, but I grew up extremely in a very religious home. And Matthew 25 is what it was all about. It's what Christianity yeah. is supposed it to be is, all about. Social ethic. Exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is a whole, um, you know, obviously um, we can talk more about this later, but, uh, you know, the uh, self-styled religious right um, has basically um, entered into a devil's bargain uh, with um, the Trump phenomenon specifically. But there's been, you know, a decades-long, um, you know, infatuation and capitulation um to raw power on the right. They will do anything, as we've seen, to, you know, get their Supreme Court justices appointed and uh, to, you know, force, um, you know, the repeal of Roe on um, all the women in the country and make them surrender bodily autonomy. So right. it's a very, um, you know, it's a state-driven model of asserting moral authority. It is absolutely anathema to, you know, the ideals of the New Testament and, you know... The, and the Constitution, by the way. It's anathema well, to yeah, the ideals yeah, of the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, the, really just, there was an interesting survey uh, published just this week in which a majority of Republicans said both that 
They believe that the United States should be a Christian nation yep. and that they believe that affirming that status is unconstitutional. So they're outgrowing the Constitution. They're not attached to it as yeah. other than another instrument of power. Right. The only amendment they care about is the Second Amendment, it appears. Exactly, which they misinterpret wildly. Completely. So, uh, Completely. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, this DeSantis stunt is a perfect case in point. You know, it's obviously all about Ron DeSantis trying to um, project his image as the most viable Trumpian candidate for the 2024 election cycle. So he picked up on this gimmick that uh, uh, Greg Abbott in Texas originated. Uh, he started, Abbott started sending busloads of undocumented immigrants to Washington, where I live, and, and you know, not arranging anything by way of social support, housing, et cetera. Not even giving the, um, not even giving the common courtesy of a heads up. No, exactly. No, yeah, certainly not alerting D.C., because th- the whole point of these stunts is to, you know, um, own the libs, right? And right. go to, to places that are identified with liberal political beliefs and uh, just kind of um, try to monkey wrench, um, you know, the, the social order here. So what's interesting, a couple of things about the DeSantis done. Um, first of all, you know, DeSantis sent a whole team to Texas <laughs> to recruit these immigrants from Venezuela who were in the country legally. These right. People seeking asylum from the Maduro government, which is an authoritarian government, and it also leans left, which is a puzzling thing. And one of the sources I interviewed for my nation column said, you know, if, if these immigrants were white and they spoke English, like Ron DeSantis would be inviting them. He has this annual, you know, commemoration of the victims of communism right. here down in Florida. So it's, you know, a short-sighted and um, I think, you know, in some ways an invite, I may be, you know, this may be wishful thinking on my part, but, you know, I think it invites a certain kind of backlash. Even Jared Kushner today on Fox News denounced DeSantis for this. He just, you know, said that this, this is not a way to treat human beings. No. Moving them around the country like political pawns. And when you when you have Jared Kushner <laughs> as the voice of conscience in the situation, you, you've gone off the deep end. I guess New York Observer Jared Kushner is coming back somehow. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I used to write for The Observer when it was under different ownership, so I, I kind of wish it would be put out of its misery at this point, to yeah. be honest. Um, even though a friend of mine, Jim Ledbetter, is a very good journalist, is, is running it now. Um, but the other interesting thing about the DeSantis thing um, is that it's, it's now pretty clear that um, he may have broken the law, and you know there could be serious repercussions there. Um, you know, one, another of my sources said that basically, you know, when he his people recruited these um, asylum seekers in Texas, they made all these promises that they, when they got to Massachusetts, there would be jobs waiting, there would be, you know, places to stay, you know, all things. And they actually handed out brochures that were made for the occasion, apparently, that promised them benefits that Massachusetts does offer, but to refugees, not asylum seekers. Right. So um, that's a fraudulent promise. It um, could well fall under the category of trafficking. And the interesting thing, if it if that does prove out in court, um, people 
who are immigrants who have been trafficked automatically get UNC visas to stay in the country. There you so, go. Well, they're good for them. And they probably have been trafficked, right? And it's... Well, it, yeah, I mean... And, and the, the, the thing about it is, is that some aid to DeSantis is going to take the fall for this. Oh, of course. No, I mean, that's, that's the other... Perhaps the only respect in which he's successfully mimicking Trump is he will continually shift blame downward and, and deny everything. But uh, now, but are, was, yeah, go ahead. Now, are you like surprised at the deafening silence from religious institutions on Long on, on, in the world from denouncing this? Like, why why are we not hearing from the Pope? Why are we not hearing from you know yeah, the the Cardinals? You know, I, I'm, I've studied Protestantism more, so I don't really know the answer in terms of the, the Catholic hierarchy in the U.S., but, but you know, it's part of what I was saying before. I think, um, you know, any commitment to this core ethic of social care is long gone in the religious right. The religious right in America is a power cult. And, yeah. and you know, there, there was another study released this week uh, finding that American evangelicals no longer believe, a majority of them no longer believe in original sin. A, signif- a, sig- a significant number of them do not accept the divinity of Jesus. These are like core theological doctrines. Right. So, you know, I, it's pretty clear that evangelicalism is morphing into something else. Um, and it it's a, a kind of um, terrifying prospect when you see how tightly aligned it is with the Trump phenomenon, you know, Trump got more than 80 percent of the evangelical vote in 2020, which was higher than what he got in 2016. After all of these, you know, unbelievably cruel things like family separation, children in cages, the Muslim travel ban. You know, these again, the, he started with the Muslim travel ban. Right. There were some communities of faith that spoke out then, but man that it was not nearly enough it was and, down uh, it was downhill from there yep. so donald trump seems to be moving closer and closer with every rally to being a full on qanon member or leader i guess um you know originally you know 2 years 3 years ago he he denied even knowing what they were and now you know he's basically leading them in q chants at at his rallies yep yep the storm is coming as they say um yeah, no, it was very striking. He had this rally in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, uh, for J.D. Vance, who's running for Senate there, and it's also, you know, morphed into this um, yeah. hardcore, you know, after being the, the pet Appalachian explainer for yeah um, the, <laughs> the liberal cultural elite. He uh, realized what it takes to, to win elections in the Republican Party and is, uh, you know, pedal to the metal saying that, you know— um, Liberals are are bringing in fentanyl to kill off the white working class in Ohio. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Trump um, had this rally, and it sort of culminated with this. Um, things got very somber and dark, um, and there was a, a sort of rising, um, you know, kind of kitschy, frankly, uh, string accompaniment. Uh, yeah. As Trump went through this kind of litany of American decline, saying, you know, inflation is the worst it's been, you know, forever. And, you know, we're on the brink of uh, nuclear confrontation with Iran, things in Ukraine and China and green energy. It's all the kind of stuff that, that you know, it's standard boilerplate at Trump rallies. But he delivered it in this kind of um, 
low, mournful almost uh, cadence that um, a lot of people, observers, immediately recognize as kind of the style of an altar call. Um, mm. And, um, you know, and it turned out the music that was playing was the um, official QAnon theme song of Where We Go One, We Go All, which yeah. is a great movement slogan. The Trump campaign denied this, by the way, claimed it was another song called Mirrors, but the, the melodies are identical. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there is there has always been this kind of footsie playing with QAnon. You know, there was a while when QAnon gear was not permitted at Trump rallies uh, and people would try to smuggle it in or do things like this hand signal that looks you know, some commentators likened it to a Sig Heil salute. It's pointing a, a finger up in the air. Yep. It's sort of more what you see at evangelical megachurch services where people, you know, hold both hands. In yeah, the they raise up. their hands and praise. Yeah, and the one is allegedly supposed to symbol QAnon unity or, or something. Um, so, you know, and what's interesting, you know, I've studied religion for a long time, and I also live in Washington where— you know, political commentary is, let's just say, challenged by uh, deep religiosity, and they don't really, you know, they tend to continually view uh, the evangelical movement, QAnon, all of the dominionist movement, which is a rising force now on the right, as, you know, these kind of fringe cult beliefs, but it's not the case. These are very much in the mainstream, and I uh, have a column coming out for The Nation tomorrow where I talk to a lot of scholars of evangel modern evangelicalism. Uh, also talked to Jeff Charlotte, who's this great reporter who wrote this book, The Family, about the politicized uh, religious right. And he has been going to Trump rallies since the first Trump campaign. Um, and he's also been working on a book on the legacy of Trumpism. And he has been traveling in, in uh, a lot of, um, you know, quote unquote, heartland communities um, over the past several months. And he said, you know, basically you go to any, not ma not the major churches, but mid-sized churches in most cities in the Rust Belt, and uh, and they're full QAnon. Um, mm. He's, um, you know, people there will be talking about how Hillary Clinton is really dead. You know, it's just yeah, it's insane. The kind of background powder that, and, and yet, like, on. this is the thing I don't get, right? Right. These people have seen video of JD Vance, right? Like, J.D. Vance basically made fun of them for five years. Not that long yeah. ago. But <laughs> now he's like, oh, no, I'm you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a curious, you know, and, you know, many people have, have tried this, and it's kind of what Rick DeSantis is trying now. You know, you try you have to go full MAGA um, to be uh, recognized as a political force right. in the Republican Party now. And it involves, you know, when I first saw the footage of this, Trump rally in Youngstown, I thought, like, I first thought, you know, well, J.D. Vance must be really pissed. <laughs> no, but he was right there with him. But, you know, then I realized, no, of course not. You know, these, these are the very voters he's targeting. Um, and it is, you know, it is a very striking, um, you know, another thing people don't understand is the whole narrative of QAnon, right, just for readers who may not, or listeners who may not be familiar, is this cult of, um, you know, 
gender endangerment where, yeah. you know, alleged and, and, you know, pedo- pedophilia is alleged to be like the background agenda yeah. of the liberal, global liberal elites. They're doing child trafficking and all this horrible stuff. Um, and those, and that keys into a lot of, um, there's a whole vast literature in, in evangelical circles about gender protection and how women have to be submissive and men have to protect frail, vulnerable women. Um, so, you know, QAnon, which sounds to outsiders like this, you know, demented, made up online, you know, nonsense, really uh, reaches that deep chord in the evangelical right. It's insane. All right. Chris Lehman from The Nation is still with me. Chris, you know, more on this QAnon topic, please, because it's fascinating. Yeah. I know you got a piece coming out in The Nation very soon. And yeah, it is tomorrow. It, it's scary as hell when you think about it. It's. No, it is. It is absolutely true. The other, um, you know, sort of um, motif in QAnon belief is, you know, it's a very overt um, translation of millennial prophecy into violence. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there was it was not a coincidence that the January 6th insurrection featured, you know, so much QAnon slogans, iconography. You know, there was the QAnon guy with the horns and the weird get up and, yep. and the, the house chamber. Um, and, you know, it's all part of this, you know, the background alleged prophecy of the movement is that, you know, Q is this allegedly high, highly placed uh, official in the government exposing these evil deeds of the pedophilic liberals. And, uh, and Donald Trump is sort of the Avenger and, you know, the explicit you know, prophecy is that they are going to slay the their enemies, these people who are the agents of Satan in this worldview. But I don't understand. What I don't understand is this was prophesied to have already should have happened, right? Based on this original Q yeah, theory. Well, it's like any other millennial cult, right? You get painted into a corner by the calendar. Right. And so, you know, they, they have, you know, said several times that, John F. Kennedy Jr. is going to come back. John F. Kennedy Sr. is going to come back. Right, right. Um, you know, that there is going to be the storm, which is the big... Uh, and January 6th was supposed to be the storm. Right, right. Um, and, it, you know, it didn't break their way. No, it ha- they keep on but, per- they keep on predicting all these things are going to happen on a certain date, and then they don't happen, yet they keep yeah, growing. Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't get it. This is, you know, if you follow Seventh-day Adventists, they grew out of the Millerite cult, which pre- predicted a specific date for the end of the world in 1843. Yeah. How ridiculous of a person do you have to be yeah. to be part of a religion that predicted the end of the world 165 <laughs> years ago? And, and- <laughs> yeah, it requires some, you know, just heroic calculation. So, uh, and it's also the position that he was in. But, you know, the other interesting thing, when I was talking to Jeff Charlotte, who I mentioned in the last segment, um, you know, he says that there is this kind of winking self-consciousness among certain Q adherents that, you know, like as was famously said about Trump, he's, he's not to be taken. Li- not Take him seriously, him, not literally. But not literally. Right. Exactly. And there is... Um, uh, you know, this is Jeff's reading. Um, I, I don't have the firsthand familiarity, but 
he says, you know, they're, you know, if you go to QAnon podcasts and QAnon chat rooms and websites, there's a fair amount of banter and they'll joke about, you know, past, you know, failed prophecies. So it is this weird mashup, right, of this, you know, very traditional millennial end of the world, end times um, belief, but it's all channeled through the internet. It's all, you know, you know, there's a big guessing game about who Q may actually be, who, whoever, and about whoever originated the whole discussion group that launched the movement. So there's a weird, you know, I, I see it as almost a Gen X kind of, you know, um, self-distancing quality to all of this. Um, right. But it, but it is, you know, it is extremely dangerous at the same time. You know, there, there were reports, you know, just in the last couple of weeks of this uh, guy in Michigan who killed his wife and, uh, you know, shot his, his children uh, because he fell down the Q rabbit hole and did take it all literally. Mm. You know, there are so many forces out there that I think, you know, the, the sort of liberal secular world doesn't really understand that reinforce this whole body of beliefs. I, I mentioned earlier the ideology of gender protection on the evangelical right. Obviously, the end times belief um, is a, a very specific and very American, you know, um, Protestant tradition that um, you go back to the 70s and the late great planet Earth or the 90s and the Left Behind series of novels, which, yep. you know, pretty much has outsold the Bible, I think, in the United States. Um, and these are all, they tell the same story of Christians who are not, in fact, a minority in uh, on the American religious scene, but they're always an embattled, persecuted cultural minority in these. Well, that's the, that's the, same, stories. That's the same message about conservatism in general. Yep. We're embattled. They're out to get us, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's right. And, and, you know, you look around, like, it sure doesn't look to me like, you know, <laughs> you have control of massive amounts of capital. You have the Supreme Court. You have, you know, this entire new model army of, you know, crypto fascists doing Trump's bidding. Yeah. It doesn't really look like you're out of power, pal. No. <laughs> but, uh, no. But, no. you know, it, you, they need that mess because. You know, two things. One is, of course, the the right actual policy agenda they understand is unpopular. Like, right. You know, people do not line up to say, let's give more tax cuts to the wealthy and let's increase American inequality and make housing, you know, that much further out of reach for ordinary working people. And let's, you know, pillage the climate. You know, that these are not strong selling points. So they do, you know, go to these sort of culture war, um, you know, and the evangelical, you know, movement is like a, you know, a an armament manufacturing center for the culture war. Yeah. You know, they they turn out this stuff. You know, they they sort of took off in earnest in the wake of the original Roe decision, and they, you know, they also furnish the, you know the hardcore true believers, the people who really, you know, will, you know, certainly sacrifice others' lives and in some cases their own for the sake of, um, you know, achieving but, power and punishing but, their enemies. But let me ask you this. Now, they been, always need enemies. We've been talking about how this movement's grown. Uh-huh. But do you think that it's turning off a certain segment of Republicans and conservatives 
Now, look, in, in, in places like Pennsylvania and Georgia and even maybe to a lesser extent, Ohio, Arizona, you know, these are 50-50 states that you turn off right. one or two percent of the base and you might be out of power. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, what's interesting is you mentioned Pennsylvania and, and Mastriano, the Republican candidate there is an arch, you know, election denying Trumper. And he has the support of the new apostle apostolic reformation which is this whole seven mountains movement you may have seen they had this creepy um um gathering in georgia a couple of months ago and had everyone swear these oaths that they were basically you know you know dedicated to killing the enemies of the the true religion and you know we're going to seize power by any means necessary so they're a terrorist group we should probably just call them what they are yeah, and they are anti-democratic in, in the same way as I was discussing before. You know, they don't they have no attachment to democracy. They have no attachment to, you know, constitution or democratic norms. Or reality. Yeah, well, for that matter, yes. But they are, they understand power. Yep. And they are a- absolutely mobilized behind them. So um, they they are doing sort of a full port uh, press, uh, press for Mastriano and... Uh, he is trailing badly now. Yeah. He's almost double digits behind Josh Shapiro. A lot of Republic, state re- Republicans in Pennsylvania have endorsed the Democratic candidate because Mastriano is so scary. Um, however, you know, in uh, Arizona, you have uh, Lake, uh, who is a- almost a carbon copy. She's an election denier. Yeah. Or, former Trump radio host and, you know, uh, and is very— um, you know, charismatic, I think, and is she's not as she's scary to look at as Mastriano. Right, right. Yeah, she's and so she's, um, you know, that that race is more or less a, a top up, a toss up. Last I, I um, checked the polls. So, right. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right in theory that if if these kind of displays and stunts go too far, obviously the Dobbs decision has been a huge factor in, in mobilizing a segment of, of the vote that. Yep. You know, wasn't in play before Roe was um, repealed. Remember that white women broke for Trump both election cycles in 2016 and 2020, and now white suburban women, I think, are registering in record numbers. numbers. (laughs) Yeah, um, and not to vote Republican. Yeah, I also think you know, I also think you you can't put on a Q pin and then go to the country club. Just don't think that that works. You know debatable i would say oh i uh, i don't know man i've been to some country yeah. clubs I, I don't think you're putting on a q-pin and showing yeah, up well, it, it depends i mean i think you know um what, once trump does it i think it'll be a, you know it'll be like an all clear signal well we'll um, see I, I have a feeling that day is coming because he's growing more and more desperate chris yeah. i got a minute left with you and yeah. i want to plug you know what you're doing and where people could find you uh yeah. so plug um, away you know uh, yeah, well, I'm Layman Chris, L-E-H-M-A-N-N Chris, all one word on Twitter. Um, I do have a book about uh, the craziness of American religion called The Money Cult, which came out in 2016, um, published by Melville House, a great independent press. Um, I have the column at The Nation, um, where I write at least once a week, sometimes twice. Um, and I think that's about all I got to well, look, I mean, these are topics that people listen to me. I talk about the intersection of religion and politics all the time because I'm fascinated because of my upbringing. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I'm going to be reading The Money Cult uh, very soon. Right. i got I to get a copy of it. i got to find one. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming in. So, Chris, Chris Lehman from The Nation, check him out. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. I mean, it's crazy times we're living in. People just cult-like. And again, I don't think it's everybody. I don't think it's everybody who even voted for Trump. I, I can't imagine there are 72 million people that still believe. I mean, we look at polls right now as... His approval's at 34%. Biden's approval keeps going up. And look, it, it doesn't look like the economy is going to be as bad as we thought um, come November, but it does appear to be taking a turn for the worse right now. So we'll see. We'll see where we wind up five weeks from now. I really think it matters where we are three weeks from now. It's when people really start to make up their mind and tell you how they feel. And again, the polls are all the same to me every time I look at them. How's the economy? Horrible. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, So I don't know how people vote on the economy, say they're doing great, and then, you know, decide that, oh, we can't be with these guys because let's throw the bums out. Let's take our chances with the guys who might institute fascism, might never let us vote again. Let's take our chances with them. I don't know. I also think that women are kind of pissed off. Uh, I think Chris Christie said that women are going to forget about Dobbs, about Roe being overturned come November. I find that hard to believe. I really do. I just women are registering in record numbers around this country, and and that's going to make an impact in the midterms. I, I think Republicans are going to lose a state they're not even thinking about. They don't even expect to come be close. My money's on Texas or Florida, but who knows? Maybe both. I'd love it. Two great candidates running in those states for Democrats against two despicable human beings who pretend to be Christians but lure unsuspecting immigrants uh, into a van and then ship them to a different part of the country. And in DeSantis's case, he doesn't even get them from Florida. He goes to Texas to recruit them for his political stunt. How the people of Florida have to pay for that is just beyond me. But hopefully they'll wake up in time for November and he'll be gone. And then we won't have to worry about that guy down the road. So, all right. I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to Progressive Progressive Podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.